You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. With us dealing with uh, this series, the Lord really commissioned me, and the, the way that the prayer is there was born was the Lord was dealing with me when I, when I was reading in Romans 8.34, and it said that when Jesus, as he rose, that he's now making intercession for us in heaven, which means that, remember when he was on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do? That means in his darkest moment, he prayed and interceded, and in his most moment of glory, he's still praying and interceding, which would mean, and we're supposed to be, we're created in the image and supposed to reflect Christ, which means that we should be interceding and praying. And we talked last week, well, what is intercession? Intercession is when you pray for someone else, right? You stand in the gap. And last week, I challenged everyone at the end of service, if you weren't here, I challenge you now to get three people on your heart that don't know the Lord and just begin to pray for them and thank God for their salvation daily. Thank God that they're running into divine uh, connections, divine influences. I have so many testimonies of just how the Lord has done that, but shouldn't we all be praying for our lost family members, for our coworkers? That has anybody ever had a thought before? Like you just think of somebody you haven't thought of in a while, like an old neighbor or something. That's not just a random thought. That's the Lord saying, pray for that person. Start praying for that person. So that's led us to this evening. We've, we've been spending extensive time. And tonight, the Lord really dealt with me about Elijah. We're going to talk about Elijah tonight. And you're, I, some of you probably know why talking about prayer. But what I want to do is I want to start out with a, a scripture. Then let's Let's go before the Lord in prayer together corporately, and then let's hit this thing hard. You in expectation tonight. I truly believe that the word that the Lord has for tonight is going to shift so much. Like I, I literally, nobody is leaving here the same way, even as Christina said. I, I know it in my heart. When I was studying this, the, it was like as I was studying it, I was already here in this moment. It was like the Lord was, was grafting this moment way before it ever happened. And that's how God is. Do you know how big God is on preparation? If anybody watched the live stream last night uh, with me and Pastor Tony Carpenter that started a church in Baltimore, Maryland, God is such a preparer. Like there is, like before the world began, Jesus was slain. That means that what something that didn't manifest till centuries, millenniums later, was already took place before the world even began. But God does things at his appointed times. Does everybody know Jesus is coming back? There's a date in heaven that Jesus is going to return, whether the believer believes it or the unbeliever that doesn't. You know what unbelief really is? Unbelief is believing the devil. Unbelief is believing the devil. That's all it is. And we have to get to a place where we are, if our God prepares, you need to prepare. Amen. You need, what is faith? Faith is not mystical. Lord, make this happen. Have fun with that. He's a preparer. Preparation takes things. You got to put things in place. Everything, when God started, he said, seed time and harvest. 
That means that there's labor to put seed in the ground. Then you got to what? You got to nurture it. You got to water it. You got to make sure the soil's right. And then you got to actually harvest it. You can't just say, oh, there's the corn. Lord, bring it to my house. No, we have to, there is a labor, amen, but it's glorious. And we, 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 we praise while we work. Like we praise while we work. We just get it going like the dwarfs, you know, but we're like disciples instead of dwarfs, you know. So, but if everybody could turn with me to James chapter 5, verse 16, we're going to camp two places tonight. I'll probably fire out so many scriptures just because it'll come out. But these are the two passages we'll camp at is James chapter five, verse 16 says this, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm going to read that latter part again. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. In certain translations, it says it makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Amen? But this is what it says right after. Because wouldn't I, I want to say this just to segue as we go forward. Your revelation of righteousness will be connected to the effectiveness of your prayer life. So let me say that backwards. The effectiveness of your prayer life is mirrored by your revelation of righteousness. So that means that your prayer is only as powerful as you know what righteousness is. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. The one problem the American church particularly has made a mistake is they think that Jesus has made me righteous, but I don't have to pursue righteous living. Completely unscriptural, completely a lie of the enemy. We pursue righteousness because that's who he is. We don't, just, we don't just say Jesus took care of it and I can live any way I want. Because in doing that, what you literally just did is the way that you live is a reflection of the way you value the cross. The way you live your life is how you value the cross. So if the cross is no big deal to you, he took care of it, you'll live like a fool. And then you'll just think everything's okay because somebody lied to you about what the Bible says. But we have to pursue righteous living, especially in this hour. We need to raise up a generation that sees parents praying, parents that don't allow nonsense in their home and Disney's agenda and all these different things with just letting any agenda be on TV. Do you understand that the TV is implanting lies in the young generation and in the old generation? We don't get our news from TV. We get our news from this book. Amen. And it's the righteousness of God that we need to pursue. We need to go after. We became righteous because of what he did. And if, if righteousness was so important, why wouldn't we want to know everything about it? Why would we just use it as a band-aid for all your goofy living? Amen. So I say that because he says the prayer of a righteous man avails much, but then he immediately gives a face to a righteous man. He gives a face, 
He gives an illustration to what James is conveying. You know what's so powerful about James is the the man that wrote this book, Jesus' half-brother, he was literally called Camel Knees. Do you know why they called him Camel Knees? He was always on his knees praying. He built up these calluses on his knees. They called him him Camel Knees because of the way that he was constantly before the Lord praying. And this is what he says right after the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Does anybody know how long Jesus's earthly ministry was? Three and a half years. Okay, so you gotta always look at things in scripture. The thing about Jesus as well is that we have to understand that The rain is very peculiar with the analogy here because rain is what everybody viewed as a source because it brought things about. But when Jesus came and came to the the earth, that that was a rain that came from heaven to the earth. And Elijah was foreshadowing it. But how many know when Jesus comes back, that's the latter rain. We are actually on the brink of the greatest outpouring of the spirit of God. And we'll get into that tonight as we go through this a little bit. But Uh, In September, we are going to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, and I'm going to go into this so in-depth. I've been studying all year for it, so when I I let loose on that, it's going to be ready. But we're going to go over the Feast of Trumpets. We're actually going to take a meal together and all this thing, Uh, but there's so much about Elijah with that. But I want to just look at this that read... I want to read these scriptures one more time. We'll go before the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to go to 1 Kings 17. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So just think about this, this man of God, we read in this scripture, he's, this, James tells us, he said, it's not going to rain. And it didn't rain until he said it again. That's what we read in James. But when I read this passage, you know what I immediately want to do? I want to study Elijah. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a reader's digest. But are you ready? Let's go before the Lord in prayer right now. I really, and I I want to be real. I feel a little bit of a distraction in some people's minds right now. And I want you to know the Lord has something for you and push past the distractions of the enemy. Maybe some things have gone on in your life uh, today or this week, or you got a text during service and it's got you distracted. The Lord's got something for you. And I come against that spirit that's trying to keep you hindered from the greatest move of God in your life. So let's go before the Father. I thank you in the name of Jesus that tonight, that Lord, you would use me, that I am a vessel to allow your word to go forth with authority, power. I thank you that everyone here would receive wisdom from heaven, manna from heaven that would change their perspective, change their life so that they can follow you with great great honor, God. Father, I thank you that the people under the sound of my voice will not miss what you're doing on the earth because they're so consumed with the 
with the world. I thank you that we would be a set apart people, Lord. Allow this word that's like a fire in my heart to burn in everyone tonight. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said, amen. Well, turn with me to 1 Kings 17 so we can look at Elijah. Oh, I don't, something's, something's really big in me tonight. So I hope you guys are ready to say amen a lot and get a, a little excited. I'm telling you, you don't want to fall asleep on this one. This is going to be something that takes us all to another level. We said the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, what did Paul say in Romans 1.16? He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew, then for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So why is the gospel have power because it reveals your righteousness by faith that you are in right standing with God. You are in right standing. You can come before the throne because of what Jesus did, but now Jesus is going to teach you to live like Jesus lives. Amen. The righteousness of God is revealed. That's why the gospel has power because it reveals that you can talk with God. It reveals that you can commune with him. Amen. So, and then 2 Timothy 3.16, don't turn there, I'm going to fire a couple of scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This Bible is to teach you how to live righteous, not to give you band-aids to justify your goofy living. Living like a stooge, living like the world. No, this Bible is calling you higher. It's calling you to a greater lifestyle. Amen? And the reason I feel, I'm, I want you to know the reason this is in me so deep is because I'm tired of seeing the devil beat the church up. And the reason the devil can beat the church up is because they play by the devil's rules. But we, we live in a higher realm. We live in a higher realm. And... We have to understand, and I want to give a quick example. It just came to me, but uh, if, I, if I write this, this is how the devil likes to play. Ashley, pick a number. Why did you pick that number? Okay, I never told her she had to pick a number on this paper. Never told her she had to pick a number on the paper. She picked that number because I put it before her. And she immediately picked what was in front of her. She could have picked any number she wanted because I didn't say she had to pick a number on this paper. This is what the devil does to the church. He, what he does to the world is he puts something in front of them and says, this is the only way. But we serve a God who has thoughts that are higher than ours. He, his ways are greater than ours. In fact, God likes, what we like to do is we come up with a plan and we'll write 10 things out. And God said, I want you to do number 11, follow me. Amen. And it's um, and like I said, we're a prepare. We have to prepare, but we prepare to get our hearts right. That's the main preparation is getting our hearts right, learning things along the way. The Lord will drop things in your heart. Do this today. Do this today. Minister to this person. Minister to this person. And all of a sudden, you're right in the middle of your destiny. Amen. Because it's daily obedience that leads you to your eternal calling. Daily obedience puts you in your eternal calling. And if you can't be obedient daily, then stop focusing on the big things. Just serve him today. 
love him today. Make this Tuesday night the greatest hour of your serving him by being attentive to the words, listening to what is said. But as we keep going, 1 John 2, 29, this is what the, the disciple whom Jesus loved said. If you know that he is righteous, do we believe Jesus is righteous? If you know he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Come on, that'll preach. Because Paul said that if you practice idolatry, if you practice sexual immorality, if you practice drunkenness, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's Bible. Because practicing means I'm trying to get better at sinning. If you just sin, that's okay. Because you can repent if it if you get it right, but if you practice sin, it means you're trying to get better at it because you only practice what you're trying to get better at. So we need to practice righteousness because we're trying to become more like Jesus. We're in the Olympics of the Holy Ghost. We need to be at a higher level, amen? Whew. I'll tell you what, when you start preaching on right living, the Holy Spirit shows up because that's what he equips you to do the best. He equips your character. There are so many people that want to believe for the stars and believe for things, but God is like, let's deal with your heart. Let's get the character together. Because when Christ-like character manifests heaven, There is not a greater manifestation of his glory than a transformed you. Second Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. I just want to point this out that it says the way you get away from the lust, what's the first thing you're supposed to pursue? Righteousness. So when you're tempted, what are you supposed to do? Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Do you know whose righteousness? Said Jesus is our righteousness. Nobody's telling you that you have to figure all these things out. He's given you the manual and he's given you the teacher on the inside of you to walk you through how to live for him. Amen. This is good stuff. I hope you're, I hope you're getting this. What does Matthew 6, say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Is anybody seeing a theme here that there's something important about righteousness that we need to pursue because when you pursue it, your prayers avail much and God needs a church that knows how to pray. Amen. We need to know how to pray and usher in what God is doing and that we're getting to where we need to, but it looks like we're, we're taking a righteousness uh, trail right now, but I hope you're being blessed by it. I need to read this, Revelation 19. This just blew me away this week, and you need to see this if you have not before. Um, Reve- and you can stay where you're at, I'll read it. Revelation 19 says this, verse seven through eight. This just blew me away. I was like crying reading this. Uh, help me, Holy Ghost. Revelation 19, seven through eight says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. So this is when we are about to sit with Jesus at the table. And how many are ready for this? Sit with Jesus and dine? Woo! Talk about... (laughs) Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little... Uh, and has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who's his wife? 
You are his wife. We're the bride. But this, listen to verse eight. You ready for this? And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Your gown is actually based off your righteous acts. I don't know if anybody's heard that with the, the grace message, which has been a perverted grace message, which isn't grace at all. But we have to understand that we are preparing our gown the way we live. Amen. Righteousness. Amen. I've given this example a lot, but has anybody ever gone to a wedding where you saw a bride putting her lipstick on as she was walking down the aisle? Have you ever seen a bride walking down the aisle, putting her shoes on, making, no, a bride? Anybody, any man here would know, and I know all the women's know by default, but even the men know that a woman will do everything she can to make sure she's completely prepared for that day. Correct? So what should the church be doing? What did Paul say in Philippians 3? He said that, I forget those things which are behind and I press towards that upward call. Not, I don't pursue my call. I pursue the upward call. What is the upward call? When you get called home and you stand before him, every day Paul was preparing for that day. That's why he it didn't matter if he was in prison. It didn't matter if he, everything was going perfectly. He just knew I'm preparing for one thing, to stand before him. And I'm gonna tell as many people as I can about Jesus. I'm going to go all out with everything in my heart, amen? Is this good? So a lack of preparation shows you have zero faith because faith prepares, amen? It's constantly preparing, constantly positioning. So 1 Kings 17, we're going to go from verse 1. And it says, and Elijah, he just comes out of nowhere. No backstory. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, who was the king at that time, married to Jezebel. We're not going into Jezebel tonight. That's a whole other thing. But as the Lord God of Israel lives... Before who I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, just stop. <laughs> I don't hear anything about Elijah praying here. I don't hear anything about him doing hardcore, like fasting and praying. I want to show you what I've read. No introduction. He goes before the king. You got to be confident to go before the king and tell him there's about to be a three and a half year drought. You got to have some, you know what I'm talking about. You got to know what's going on, that he's going up before him. But this is what he does. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, here's the word I want you to underline, before who I stand. What is a righteous man? Somebody that knows they're standing in the presence of God. And they're not intimidated by even the greatest influence on this side of eternity that I can stand in the presence of God even before kings of this earth, before whatever, and I will decree what the Lord has told me to decree. This is what a righteous man or woman does, that they know the presence in which they stand. They stand in his presence, which would arise, the next thought, which would be, 
before whom I stand, there shall not be due. So because this is what prayer is being defined here as, is it's not Elijah praying for something to happen. It's that he's standing in the presence, decreeing what he's hearing in the presence. This is where prayer becomes powerful because there is not one word that will ever come out of the father's mouth that won't come to pass. So what should be your job as a believer? To hear what the father's saying so he can get you to decree it out of your mouth, over your family. So if you want to hear more what God is saying, you know what you need to do? You need to start getting in this book and you need to say, ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord because I read it in Joshua, which means it's a promise of the Lord. I'll decree that over my house. Then you see what you do is you start speaking the word that my family, we are more than conquerors through Christ who love us. And we start decreeing the word and all of a sudden as you're decreeing the word in his presence in his presence he'll start giving you some specific words to pray and you'll feel the anointing on it you'll sense the anointing on it and you'll start decreeing things you never thought you would decree and you'll start preaching to yourself and all of a sudden you're having a holy ghost party in your bedroom because you're standing in the presence of God decreeing what the Lord has placed in your heart so the prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is what it's saying. It's not this begging God to do something. It's decreeing what he's saying. Yes. We're not begging God for revival. He already promised it. We need to decree it. Somebody's got to get this. We need to decree it. We need to speak it into existence. Not man prayer is not manipulation of what you want. It's manifesting what he wants. Prayer is not manipulating what you want. It's manifesting what he wants. So as you get closer to the father, you start decreeing what he's saying and it manifests. You start seeing it come to pass. Amen. Amen. I'm sensing something tonight. Somebody's getting something. We're going to a new level. Amen. Whew. There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Come on, Elijah. That's a lot of pressure, man, to say it's not going to rain a single drop for three and a half years. Well, what if one day there's a little cloud in the sky? What do you think Elijah's thinking? I told the king, it's not going to rain for three and a half. That takes something. Come on, am I the only, like, sometimes we read the Bible like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, what? Three and a half years, not even a, a, a speckle of rain, not even a drop. It'll rain when I say it will. Okay, Elijah, who are you? And I bet Elijah's like, well, you need to get rid of that Jezebel. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother thing. We're going, we got to go somewhere else with it. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Now, here's the thing is that Elijah has just decreed a famine over a nation, but because he was obedient, the Lord is now showing him where provision is because he was obedient to do the things that nobody else would do. Have the tough conversations. That's what it takes to be a leader. You're going to have, the Lord's going to tell you to say things and do things sometimes. People are not going to like you. Jesus said, the world hated me. They're going to hate you too. I don't know who's, if, I, I hope you know that that's in the Bible. If everybody agrees with what you said, you are not living what this Bible says. It's just truth. People will hate you. 
but it's not the people, it's the spirit in them. That's why you don't get mad at them. You pray for them because Jesus said, pray for your enemies, even on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. We follow the, the, uh, the example of the master. So get away from here and turn eastward. Does anybody know? I, I always go to places in the Bible. You have to see that when, when Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, you know where God moved them eastward. He moved them eastward. It was always east, was away from the presence of God. But the Lord is always doing a work in the east through the Old Testament to bring man back into the garden. He's always doing a work to bring man back. So this is what it does, because I need you to, does anybody know what Cherith means? It means consecration. It means to prune, to cut, cut away. So what we, we're talking about righteousness tonight and how Elijah was a righteous man. Well, where did God lead him? To a place where he would drink consecration. Does that sound like the word of God? Drink holiness. Drink this water that is set apart for you to prune your character. Because you see, he, he got a word from God, but that word has a time that it's going to manifest. And it gave him three and a half years. So that doesn't mean Elijah goes, sits on his couch for three and a half years. There's a labor involved. And God is doing a work in Elijah for three and a half years. And there's major preparation that needs to take place to make this word come to pass. Amen. So you have this. And then what goes on, it's the brook Cherith. Did you know a brook is only possible if there's been rain? Is that, is, I don't know if you knew that, but a brook is only possible. The reason brooks are actually, they're, they're usually the product of the winter because of all the snow and everything that came. It, a brook is only possible if there's been a really heavy rain or from a previous season of a lot of snow. So where, Elijah, where God tells Elijah to go is to go to a place where there was a great rain before and drink from there. This is why we like to study people like Smith Wigglesworth. And we like to study people that have moved like John G. Lake and the power of God because there was a rain to their life. And we drink from the results of that. But God wants to take you to a latter rain, a greater rain, but he gets you to drink from the, the miracles and the things that people have done in the past to prepare you for what's to come. Amen. Say amen to this. It's good. The brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Does anybody know how the Jordan specifically? It's where Jesus got baptized with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. So you see Elijah is drinking from the brook of consecration that is leading to the river where Jesus got baptized, where the Holy Spirit came. Do you see this is in your Bible? And people think that this thing has faults in it and things like that. It is so detailed to the very core. This, is the, this book is more on point than anything you will ever see in your life. No matter what the world tries to say, no matter what they try to, people, I, I even, I, sometimes I'll even go and read people's arguments on what they have to say about the Bible. And I would just love to have a sit down with them and just talk with them. I, I, I you know, it, it's, it's asinine how people just see what they want to see. But he's detailed. God is so detailed, he knows how to make perfect imperfect people. 
That's how detailed he is. That's, that's what amazes me about the sovereignty of God is that he doesn't control everything. He knows how to stay in control even when everybody else is variables. That's impressive that he can, he can ride the full ship of salvation and it's all based off him just knowing that he, he's so confident in his sovereignty that people around can be variables and he's still the master chess player. Amen. So, and that will, they shall, and that will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Everybody say the ravens are the best football team. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm from Baltimore, so it's just <laughs> the Korea thing. Uh, so, <laughs> but the ravens, all jokes aside, were unclean birds. They were unclean birds. They were, they were actually, but here's the thing the Lord's revealing. The reason why the ravens brought the food is because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And that what the ravens, what they do is they usually come to steal. They usually come to steal and scavenge what has been there. But the thing is, is when you're walking in the righteousness of God, when the devil tries to come steal, he accidentally gives you more. Come on, somebody receive that. That the raven was coming to steal from Elijah, but his righteous living caused the devil to actually spill all of it out and made his cup overflow even more. And the devil, what he was trying to come against you with, I pray, decree right now that anything he was trying to steal from you, it's about to come over. He's gonna drop what he was trying to steal and give you what he was trying to take from another wicked person. But the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Decree a word. Decree it. Amen. But it comes with a price. It's not just like, I'm going to say this and it's going to happen. You have to live righteously. You have to pursue righteousness. You have to pursue this character so that God can validify. Because the blessing of the Lord validifies somebody that's walking in his truth. He said that, he said that if you are my disciple, you will abide in my truth and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you know if you're a disciple of God? You abide. You stay there. You don't just come on Tuesday nights. You don't just come on Sunday mornings. You don't know you abide while you're at the workplace. I'm abiding in Jesus. I know that this person just cussed me out or I know this person just said this, but I'm abiding right now because that person needs to know Jesus. I'm abiding right now because I'm focused on my upward call in Christ Jesus. I'm abiding right now because I'm going to go crazy if I don't keep my eyes on Jesus. It's being so, you got to contend because speaking of Elijah, he's a type and shadow of Christ because we're like Elisha. Because how did Elisha receive the blessing of the Lord? Or how did he receive the double portion of Elijah? He had to keep his eyes on him when he ascended. Remember the disciples were right there when Jesus ascended into the cloud in the book of Acts. And what did Jesus say to the disciples? He said, greater works shall you do than I do because the double portion anointing Jesus gave to the church because he's a good husband and he wants his wife to have the best. Amen. Woo! Tell you what, greater works, greater works you shall do. Woo! <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Lord is sending people out He's sending people out. Somebody will get it tonight. Somebody will get it. It's just up to you if that's you or not, but somebody's going to get this tonight and somebody's going to say that, that we need 
that Lord, forgive me for being lackadaisical about your blood. Forgive me for just being mundane about the cross. I value you, Lord. Teach me how to live like your son. Jesus. Verse five, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Of course he did. He's a righteous man. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread. Check this out. Once again, the devil is bringing him food day and night because he's a righteous man. He's, he's just chilling and the devil is bringing him increase, increase. And the devil hates it because he wants Elijah to fail because if Elijah fails, then it makes God look bad. But Elijah knows whose presence he stands in. He knows whose presence he stands in. And even in the moments when he feels like giving in, even in the moments when he's not sure about these things, and he knows that Jezebel is trying to kill prophets and things like that, he's just being provided for. He's being taken care of, constantly being reminded that the Lord is good. He's probably quoting what the psalmist David said, that I've been young and old, and I have never once seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread, that he's convinced of it every day. He's just living in the provision of the Lord and ravens that are usually stealing are the ones bringing it to him because God's like, I can do whatever I want because I'm the Lord and I do what I please. It's in the Psalms. It's actually scripture. I'm the Lord and I do what I please. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, what pleases the Lord? Faith. And when we just focus on our heart and allow him to do the heavy lifting, If you pursue his heart, he'll perfect yours. If you pursue his heart, he will perfect yours. Amen. So, and it happened in verse, it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You don't say. But here's the thing is that Elijah could at this moment have been like, Lord, where are you? You led me here. But the Lord's not leading you to a method. He's leading you with his voice. He's not leading you to a location. He's leading you to his kingdom. He's leading you into this revelation of knowing him. So the reason the brook dried up is because where we're at in the church right now, the former rain, we need the latter rain. And it's happening. But it's about to start happening in a way that some of you need to get ready. Some of you are more focused on finding an umbrella than you are on getting your bathing suit on. Because I'm telling you what, you don't want to, you don't want an umbrella when this rain comes. You want to get soaked. You want to get saturated. You want to get crazy on fire for this because you just need, you don't want to prepare to miss it. You want to prepare to be right in it. If you listen to the devil, you're preparing to not be ready. But if you listen to him, you're going to be right in the middle of a tsunami. And you're not going to have any backup. And you're going to get slammed. But it's going to be amazing. And we're all going to watch it. And we're going to be like, oh, they just got crashed by the presence of God. Because God needs you out of the way so his glory can shine through you. So like, this, like David said, I'll become even more undignified than this. You think, you think I'm crazy now? Wait till I see him a little bit more tomorrow. I'm going to start making even crazier decisions because he is amazing. He is so good. 
but my character in the process is all based around him. Amen. Are you guys good for a few more? Hey, hey. Then the Lord saying, arise, go to Zarephath. So the Lord gives him another word, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now this is crazy. This is crazy. You guys ready for this? And nowadays, why would that preacher tell that person that doesn't have a lot to sow? The Lord commanded a widow to give to a man of God everything. That's just abuse. That's just that the Lord commanded a woman to give everything she had who barely had anything. Why? Because God wants to give her everything. Whatever you refuse to give to God, you give the devil access to. So you want to give it all. You want to give it. But it's just a a, a little point. I want to actually share this. The Lord put this quote on my heart today. Don't sow where there's a need. Sow where there's value placed on the seed. I'm going to say that again. Don't sow where there's a need. Sow where there is value placed on the seed. Don't just sow because somebody has a need. Because if somebody always has needs, it means they don't value their seed. (laughs) I'm about to fall out of the pulpit. Don't sow where there's a need, sow where there is value placed on the seed. Amen. (laughs) We like... Just so you know, there's a lot of laughing in heaven, so it's all good. It's a big celebration. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath. I've commanded this widow to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. It's very depressing. <laughs> and Elijah said to her, do not fear. I feel like I'm like, you know, watching Lifetime or something. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Everyone say first. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. The here, Okay. <laughs> you ready for verse 14? You ready? For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You got to catch this. This means, what does the bread represent? The word of God. The oil represents the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. And what God is saying that no matter what you have, if you give it, this will sustain you until Jesus comes or you breathe your last breath. You have all that you need in him. Elijah is prophesying right here that you have everything you need. It will not run out. It will not run out. Even when you're making a meal and you think it's your last meal, the Lord said, just give it to me. Just give it to me because I have fully equipped you to live in this hour and to succeed and thrive in your calling that the Lord has placed on your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. You are equipped for this hour to live 
in victory and over every circumstance. Your oil will not run dry. You are anointed to live in this hour and the Lord is preparing you with his word to be able to slay Goliath's head off, to be able to do what you need to do. Amen. Jesus, Jesus. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her and her household ate for many days. <laughs> the bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, not because they were safe with it, not because they preserved it, not because they were good, you know, making sure that we only eat one little spoonful. Nope. It didn't run out because the Lord said that you will have more than enough until the time is over and then you'll be in my presence. Amen. Woo. <laughs> so verse 17, you got to know when you're going to the next level. Something's happening in people's hearts. Right? You got to know when the, the elevator's going up. <laughs> like, uh-oh. Faith's rising, faith's rising. Why? Because the Lord has something that he wants to do in this moment of time. And he's looking for a heart. He's looking to and fro for a heart that is moldable, willing to do what he says at any moment, going after it with everything. The Lord is just looking for that heart that says, here I am, use me. Lord, I know I have a bunch of plans. If you want to rearrange them or throw them out, I don't care because I just want you and I want to see your glory in my family. I want to see your glory in my generation. I want to find out what's going on in my city, in my town. Whatever the devil's attacking, I'm going to throw all of heavens at it. Amen? Just get it in your heart. Get your preacher on. Okay, sorry, that was bad. So uh, was there a gathering sticks and he called. And then verse 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. Now you have to understand what happened here is that things are, th are thriving they're seeing the provision of God and all of a sudden, how many people know that when you start going to the next level, one, I want to pre preface that it's not new levels, new devils. It's new levels, same devil. Amen. New levels, same devil, but he's going to come at you every time you try to go to another, you're not, you're not going to go without a fight from him. But the Bible says, if you submit to God and you resist the devil, he will flee. He doesn't say submit to God. And there are certain devils you have to do different things for. Show me a scripture. You see, you have to understand, submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee. Amen. And I love last night when we were talking to pastor Tony, he talked about prayer and fasting, spiritual discipline, spiritual discipline and making sure that you're, you're, you're disciplining your body and you're spiritually exercising, training for the Olympics of this race that we're called to run. Paul says, I run this race. If you're running a race, you need to know the rules of the race. There's a lot of Christians that don't even know the rules of the race. They're running the wrong direction. They're running off the side. Oh, I'm called over here. I'm going to get some Gatorade. No, you're supposed to be on a straight and narrow path, fool. Get back. Get back in line. 
Get back in line. Remember Peter coming to Jesus? Jesus, I don't think you should go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? Get behind me. Follow me, Peter. Because when you get, a front, when you get in front of Jesus, he's going to rebuke you for being Satan. <laughs> that just came. But it was like, when you get in front of Jesus, make sure you're following. Amen. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So what happened? They're having all this provision and all of a sudden tragedy. What do a lot of people respond when something like that happens? God, where are you? Why did this happen? What's going on? But thank God there was a righteous man on the scene. There was a righteous man there. And this is what he says. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to my remembrance and to kill my son? That doesn't sound like a faith response, does it? And he said to her, give me your son. Once again, do you think the, I, I don't know about you, but do you think that this woman already learned something about when she gives something to this man? Last time she gave something to this man, it never ran out. So why don't I give him my dead son? Maybe the Lord's speaking to some people tonight that you think some things are dead in your life. You think that there's no hope. The Lord doesn't just want your offering. He wants what you think is dead so he can show you that he's the resurrection and the life. He wants you to give him even the things that you think there's no hope for just so he can show you how great he is. It's hard to tell. It's sometimes hopelessness is beautiful because it makes hope obvious. Then when you seem to be in a hopeless situation, hope becomes most obvious. It's Jesus. It's his provision. Amen. So he gives her, she gives her the son. He said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, said, oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out three times and cried out to the Lord and said, oh Lord, how many people are thankful he did it three times? He could have gave up after the one or the two, but he's a righteous man of God. And he knows that God didn't lead him to this home. So this kid would die and it would look but here's the kicker you keep reading then the Lord then verse 22 then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah how many people know that God hears the voice of a righteous man that it wasn't God that brought this miracle to pass it was he used Elijah's faithfulness that Elijah said he kept believing he kept decreeing and the Lord heard Elijah I'll paraphrase the Lord heard a righteous man a righteous woman and their prayer availed much. Make, made tremendous power available. Revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. What was the kicker that made this woman believe? The power of resurrection. 
the power of resurrection. I did a sermon uh, weeks ago when COVID was really hit. We were still meeting. We were having fun. But it was like when we were going after it, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that took place, well, I'm not ashamed because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. Amen. I, I respect people's decisions, but I have to do what my convictions are in my heart. Amen. So anyway, when we were going, the Lord gave us a sermon, the resurrected witness. Did you know you're all resurrected witnesses? Because the only way you can truly be a witness is if you've died to yourself. The power of the resurrection is character transformation. It's becoming brand new. That you're, no, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. So I'm just going to sum up the, where we're at because uh, the Lord is, is moving and I could, I could teach all night, preach all night. But this is what I want you to see. Right after Elijah has these encounters, this, well, actually, I'll read verse 18, or chapter 18. So it said three and a half years. In verse one of chapter 18, it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Okay, isn't that awesome? Do you think Elijah's like, the rain's about to come. We're, we're, we're set, it's good, but guess what needed to take place? Has anybody heard of Mount Carmel before? That's where the prophets of Baal were challenged. So before the rain that God wanted to have come, we needed a clean house with idolatry. The rain's not coming until that house gets cleaned up. What did Jesus do before he went to the cross? He cleansed the temple. He cleansed the temple. He got all the junk out. And Israel is God's church. It's God's bride. And God wasn't allowing the rain to come until Elijah dealt with the devil head on at Mount Carmel. And he got all the prophets there and there was 400 plus prophets of Baal and they're trying to get a sacrifice, trying to get it to rain. And what Elijah does is he challenged them. He mocks them. He goes through all this stuff. He says, was your God using the bathroom? You know, he's like going into it and he's like calling them all out and he's doing his, you know, he's, he's, he, Elijah was a trash talker. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He trash talked the enemy big time. You know, he didn't care. He was just saying he was going after because he was confident in what the Lord said. But you know what Elijah does with the offering is he starts pouring water on the offering. Well, don't do that, Elijah. We need water. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Water is the most precious commodity. It is the most, it's the highest currency of that time is water. And Elijah's just dumping barrels on it after he just trash talked all these people. Like he is just showing off like, you, your God's stupid. He's not even alive. Here, give me that water. He's just, he's just, and he had better character than that. But I'm just saying, he's like, he's just dumping all the water on. He's just going for it and all the things. But what was he dumping on? What is the water? The word of God. Because a sacrifice only burns because someone's obedient to the word of God. Going after the word. So he's pouring the water, but that water is consecrated. It's his holy living. It's him raising the, the widow's son. It's him getting fed. All this history he has of being a righteous man. He's pouring it all over the offering. He's pouring it. And then the Lord deals with the fire comes from heaven. And then right after that, you know what happens is all the prophets of Baal start repenting. And you know what Elijah does? Check this out. This is morbid. Elijah says, kill them all. That doesn't sound nice. <laughs> but here's what God is saying, that we're not moving forward 
and the next generation. You don't just say, I'm not doing that anymore. You cut ties with it completely because we're not allowing that trash to go into the next generation. We're not even allowing a window of that to come in. You may think that that's all right. You may think it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal to God and he doesn't want it in his children. He doesn't want it going forward. So we deal with it. We deal with the devil. We cut all of it off, sever ties with it, burn it, let it go, forget about it all. And then what Elijah does and you get to the, f- the f- finale and he goes before, he's, he, he begins to pray and let's just go there and we're close. Verse 41 of First Kings 18, then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. There is a sound of the abundance of rain. It's not raining yet, but Elijah hears something. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm saying? Have you heard something before? You haven't seen it yet, but you've heard it in your spirit. You know it's going to come to pass. You're so convinced of it. You hear the sound of revival. You hear the sound of your family. You've even seen some of your lost loved ones. You've had dreams of them worshiping at the altar. They're not saved yet, but you hear the sound of their praises because God is waking up the prodigal sons and daughters. He's waking them up. And what does Elijah do when he hears the sound of something? He doesn't just go, well, I know it's going to come to pass. I'm not going to do anything. You know what he does? This is what he does as soon as he hears the sound. It says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Where does he go? He goes to the place that he just rubbed it in the devil's face. He goes to the place where victory has been established. He doesn't intercede in a valley. He intercedes at the place that God's called him to intercede, which is in Christ and heavenly places. You're not where you think you are. He has called you higher and you intercede from a place of authority because when he went up on that mountain all he could see is God's victory so he got up there and he knows that the word's going to come to pass he's heard the sound and then it says so Ahab went up and he ate and drank and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees there's sometimes in prayer you just got sometimes you got to go to a place where you start groaning things and the Bible talks about groaning. Sometimes you've been alone and you, when you pray, there's, there's sometimes, has anybody ever gotten hurt before and you made a groan, you made a sound? How many people think that what God feels when he hears his bride groan for revival? That something comes in that, ah, I just got to see Your word come to pass, Lord. I just got to see it. And you get alone with the Lord. And all of a sudden, a sound comes out of you because it's not something you can make up with your mind. It's a sound of faith. It's a sound that the Holy Spirit is yelling through you. Amen. And you go, he puts his face between his knees because, and this is what he says. He says to his servant, go up now, look at the sea. I want you to see this, that Elijah refuses to go look for himself because he knows that him staying fixated on him is the only way that it's going to rain. So he gets somebody else to look for him. So every time he looks, he's not discouraged by what he sees. He stays fixated on him and he just stays in this place. And there's some of you that you keep looking, trying to see if God's doing, you're actually getting discouraged when God is saying, look at me, I gave you the word. Keep your eyes on me, stay in this place of intimacy. And then he keeps sending the servant because did you know what your servant is? Your servant is your faith. Faith is your servant. You send your faith to look. You send your faith to look. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Amen. 
So he sends the servant to go look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He said it to him seven times. Do you think Elijah's starting to think, oh, okay, this isn't good. I don't think so because he's a righteous man and he's seen too much. So he keeps telling him. And that's the thing is that only when you've seen God's victory in your life, are you willing to wait? Somebody need to hear that. People that aren't willing to wait aren't convinced, convinced of victory. You can wait as long as it takes when you know how powerful he is. Because he can make 10 years of preparation put you right in there. He can do things so quickly. Amen. So in closing, and it came to pass the seventh time that he said that there is a cloud as small as a man's hand. You, does anybody know that that wasn't just for, for show, but that, that there was a man, a righteous man pulling on the heavens? pulling down the rain, rending the heavens with his life of righteousness. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And then Elijah actually outruns a chariot because when the spirit of the Lord comes on you, somebody's going to start running. Somebody's going to start going after it with everything because Elijah wanted to be, he knew that if God had shut it up for three and a half years, that this rain is going to be intense. This rain is going to be intense. We are about to receive the greatest outpouring of the spirit of God ever. Amen. Get in a group. Raise your hands across this place. Hallelujah. 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 The greatest outpouring of God's spirit. We are right in the middle of it. That it's about to, we are in prep mode, but the Lord is giving us a foretaste right now. Taste and see that the Lord is good tonight. That he loves you. That he, he allowed you to hear this message tonight because he's commissioning you. He is preparing you. You are about to be placed in, in position, perfectly placed to have maximum impact. Right now, let's start decreeing over our families. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for lost ones coming into the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this nation that God, you are not done with USA. Lord, I thank you that USA is about to get just bulldozed by the glory of God. Lord, you're raising up. You're raising up a remnant. You're raising up a remnant. Lord, I'm looking at a remnant. I'm looking at people that have been through things. They've been through things and they've wondered where they're at. They've wondered if they've missed it. But the Lord says, no, you're my remnant. You're still standing here tonight. You're still remaining and the greatest outpouring you're positioned for right now. Stay focused on Jesus. Jesus. Cry out, saints. Cry out. And when I'm saying cry out, decree the word. Decree what's been spoken. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right now, if you're in this place and you have, if you do not know Jesus, what I mean by that is not that you've heard his name, not that you've 
heard nice stories. If you're in this place and you have never given your life to Jesus, don't waste another day living for the devil and him robbing from you. If you're in this place and you do not know Jesus right where you're at, I want you to raise your hand. And if you're watching online right now and you don't know Jesus and you just happen to come and watch this, this stream, I'm here to tell you that he loves you. He loves you. And I want you to say this prayer after me with your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take out the stony heart. Give me a heart of flesh. I believe that you died on a cross for me. And I believe that you rose three days later. I believe you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Say that with boldness. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Right now, if you've never been filled with the Spirit of God, you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You're destined for destruction without the Holy Spirit. Say, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a boldness to live for you. I thank you that I'm saved, born again, on my way to heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. If you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to know that you're safe, that you're born again, but you need to pursue Jesus. You need to read your Bible every day, not to read it by ritual, but to read it as a love letter. God's speaking to you daily. You need to talk with him when you're driving. You need to talk with him when you're at work. You need to talk with him under your breath, everywhere you're at. And who cares if you talk out loud? You know, just let people know you're talking to Jesus. Witness to him. That's what it's all about. Amen.